Well, it is so good to be with you again. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to be continuing in our series today entitled Good Fruit. Uh, we're exploring what it takes to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Out of Galatians chapter 5, Paul writing to Galatian church, uh, and he encourages them, says, this is the fruit. These are the things that be, should be produced in your life as you walk with the Spirit. And so we want to continue exploring that today. I'm going to read this passage again as we get started, and then we'll look at a couple of thoughts that come out of this passage uh, and some other places in Scripture. So let's look at this together. In Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 16, says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul here contrasting the desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit, the things that our flesh want and the, fl the things that our flesh long after and will pursue versus walking in step with the spirit and, and aligning our heart with the heart of God and saying, I, I want to live my life according to God's plan and God's purpose. Real key here in this whole passage really centers around when Paul says that those who belong to Christ, those who have committed their lives to following Jesus and surrendered their lives to him, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That Jesus, when he went to the cross, when he took our sin upon himself, really gave us the opportunity for our sin, for our desires, for the things that of our flesh that would long for the things of this world, for those passions and desires to be crucified along with Christ. That he now has that place and that authority in our lives for us to be able to walk with him. From when we're little, we're taught to, to be better at things, to, to learn how to do things better, uh, whether that's riding a bike or hitting a ball, learning to talk. We go to school, we learn our alphabet, we learn to count, we learn to do math, and all through it, we're encouraged to get better at things, to not just stay uh, kind of at an entry level, that we would progress and that, that we would do better. And it's a good thing because we all become functioning members of society as a result. And we're able to get jobs and create and, and repair and dream and do all kinds of incredible things with the hearts and the minds that God has given us. And maybe even now with that, that sense of improvement, getting, in, getting better in certain areas, maybe you have a list of things that you want to improve in, areas that you would say, 
I want to do better in, in these parts of my life. Maybe it's learning to play an instrument. Maybe you've not learned to play an instrument, or maybe you've started to learn, but you're like, I need, I need to get past those first five or six chords that I've learned, and I've got to learn how to progress and become more proficient in playing an instrument. Maybe it's a, it's a physical goal, getting in better shape and saying, I've got to get better. Uh, maybe it's a sport. Maybe you play tennis or you play golf or you play, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, pick a sport. And you're like, I need to practice. I need to get better. I need to improve. Maybe your areas of improvement are around your finances, saying, I need to learn to budget better or manage my money better. Uh, I want to become more proficient at investing and understanding what it means to invest. For others, it's going back to school and, and saying, I want, to, I want to learn or going to school for the first time, saying, I want to learn a new trade or a new skill or get an ed- education in an area that I'm passionate about. And for some, there's even the opportunity to change careers and get better in doing something completely different saying, I have a passion for something. I want to learn how to do this better. And those are all good things. It's good to progress. It's good to develop those skill sets. But when it comes to the fruit of the spirit, this gets a little bit tricky. It actually is something that I identify as a problem Uh, when it comes to our desire to just improve, to do things better. See, we can't treat the fruit of the Spirit uh, as a skill to master. The fruit of the Spirit are not simply skills to master. They're not things that we, we can read that list and go, I want to I learn to love better. I want uh, to learn to, to be joyful more. I, I want to learn to be more patient. Now, you, we can express those things, and, and that's, that's okay. But at the end of the day, the fruit of the Spirit are not skills. The fruit of the Spirit are the result of deeper work that is taking place in our lives. Maybe you've heard people say this before. I've heard people say this kind of tongue-in-cheek is, don't, don't pray and ask God for patience because what he will do is will send situations into your life that will test your patience. It will really draw that patience out of you. And we, we kind of chuckle about that and we laugh about that. But it's really funny because what it does is it exposes some underlying issues. What we're saying there is, God, I want to be able to do this thing, but I don't really want to do the work. God, I, I, want, to, I want to be more patient, but don't expect me to do the hard work of becoming a more patient person, about doing the, the deeper work in my life. And so there's, there's this problem when we treat the fruit of the Spirit like a skill, as something that we can just say, I want to do better in this. And we pick one and we're like, I'm going to press into this one. No, there's something that has to be deeper than that. See, we want to master these things. We want to get skillful at these things, but the truth is that we can't. Maybe a better prayer for us to pray is this, God, help me to become the kind of person that is more loving. I like this this phrase. Maybe you've heard this before. Another just kind of a, a chuckler is, uh, God, help me to become the person my dog thinks I am. Help me to become the person that my dog thinks that I am. You know, we need to pray and say, God, I want, to, I want my life to be transformed. I want my life to be the kind of environment that produces the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. 
You see the difference? It's subtle, but there's a difference there. It's not saying, God, just teach me to be more kind. It's saying, God, transform me so that I will become a kinder person. And really, the, the, the deeper prayer even than that is, Jesus, help me to be more like you. Jesus, transform my life so I look more like you. Because when we look more like Jesus, when we walk in step with the Spirit of God, that's when the fruit is produced in our lives. There's two words that I, I want to use to describe this tension or uh, this disparity that happens between skills and, and just learning a skills and doing the deeper work. And it's the words competency and character. Competency and character. Competency are those things that we're, we learn to be good at. They're the skill set of our lives, things that you're competent in. Some of you are competent in areas that others aren't. I am not a musician. I, like our worship team today, does an amazing job of singing and playing instruments and harmonizing with each other, and they make a joyful noise unto the Lord. They play beautiful music. For me, that is not a competency I have. I am not a musician. I appreciate music, but I, I, I don't have that ability. I don't have that skill. So that would be a competency, something that you can learn and you can pick up that you can get ba- better at. Character, on the other hand, are those things that just make us who we are. It's what makes us who we are. You maybe have heard this said that character is uh, who you are when no one is looking. Character is who you are when no one is looking. And I would suggest go even beyond that and just say character is who you are. Character is just who you are, who you know you are. Uh, those, those hidden parts and the public parts, the, 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 the parts that your family knows about and the parts that your coworkers know about. Your character is that, that thing. It just, it's who you are. It's the, the, the things that, that form and uh, are expressed through your life. It's the decisions that you make both in public and in private uh, and it's really the place, your character is the place where your life is rooted like a tree that has to send down those roots into the ground so that it can drop the nourishment that it needs so that it can stand strong in the midst of the storm so that it can drop those, those, nur- those nutrients out of the ground so it can produce fruit. That stuff below the surface, that is character. It is who we are. And, and Paul here talks about this battle that exists between the flesh and the spirit, that the flesh wants the things of this world. The flesh wants to, to, to has these passions and these desires and these appetites for the things that it wants to do. Now, the Spirit of God says, no, I, I've called you to live a different way, that we have been actually fashioned and created and formed with a capacity to produce the fruit of the spirit. That the fruit of the Spirit is what we were intended, what we were designed to produce in our lives. But because of sin and because of brokenness in this world that we are born into, we're born into sin. And so there's this part of our flesh that has its own passions, its own desires, with the enemy of our souls seeking to push us and direct us in ways that God hasn't called us to go. And our character 
really pay, pay, plays a key part in this. See, because what my character does when I'm established in God, when my character is firmly set in who he is, and I walk in step with him, I've nailed the passions and desires of the flesh to the cross with Jesus Christ, and those roots have been established. My, what my character does is allows me to walk in step with the Spirit of God, that our identity gets wrapped up in who He is. See, this this tension is nothing new. In fact, the very same writer of the book of Galatians and the the writer that, uh, that wrote this list of the fruit of the Spirit, the Apostle Paul, also wrote these words in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. I just want to read these two verses. The whole chapter is worth Reading, But listen to what Paul writes about his, his own life. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And he goes on and he, he kind of has this banter with himself. I'll just read that, that verse. If you have time, I would say, please go read Romans chapter 7 because it brings this, this tension between the flesh and the spirit into clear focus. And he does a great job of unpacking that. What I want to do, the things I'm supposed to do, the things that I know that God has called me to do, I, I, I want to do those things, but I don't end up doing them, and I do the things that I'm not supposed to do, and that there's this back and forth, and I don't know about you, but I find incredible encouragement that the, the Apostle Paul himself felt this tension, that he fought this battle, that we are not alone in this. If you feel this tension in your own life, you're, you're okay. It doesn't mean that you're uh, off the charts weird or something. It means that you're actually really normal. And, and we all face those challenges. We all face those that, that, that back and forth where we're going, I know the things I'm supposed to do. I know, the, the, I, know I need to, to be more loving. I know that there should be more kindness. I know that I need to be more patient. I know uh, that there needs to just be more faithfulness in my life or self-control. Why don't I do the things that I'm supposed to do? Paul himself really battled. And I believe that so much of this really comes down to we try to substitute competence for character. We try to get good at doing things rather than doing the deeper work of surrendering our lives daily before the Lord and saying, God, would you expose the wayward things in me, the things that are not in line with your spirit, See, it's, it, it could be easier, it seems easier to say, I just, I'm going to get, I'm going to develop the competency in, an, in, a, in one particular area, but we can go through the motions and we can miss the mark. There's two men in the Old Testament that I think really highlight this well for us, and I want to share a little bit of their story. They were two of the kings of Israel, in fact, the very first two kings of Israel. The first was a name, man uh, by the name of Saul, and many of you are familiar with King Saul, first king of Israel. The second would be his, the, the one, his successor, the one who came after him, King David, who uh, most are familiar with King David and uh, especially the story of David and Goliath and his great exploits and the fact that he was an amazing king of Israel. And both of these men at a young age were chosen to be the kings of Israel, that God selected each one of them. But it says of David in, in scripture that he was a man after God's own heart. 
that David was a man after God's own heart. Saul, on the other hand, was a man who started off with good intentions, but things went sideways. And by the end of his time as king, he had really derailed. His life had derailed. At the start of his life and call, in fact, when uh, he is called to be the king of Israel, and he was a a guy, he kind of stood head and shoulders over everyone. He was a good-looking guy, Uh, just kind of of the full package deal, just a a solid, solid young man. And uh, Samuel identifies him as as the one who's going to be the king of Israel. And on the day that he was to be inaugurated, that they would anoint him to be king, he was hiding. He was afraid. He says, it says in scripture that he was hiding among the, amongst the baggage, that, that he, wasn't, he wasn't ready to do this thing. And there was this fear and there was this trepidation in his heart that he wasn't the right guy for the job, um, which is fine. Like, I, I get that. There's situations, there's been times in my life, and you've probably experienced this as well, where you've been asked to do something that you didn't feel equipped for or prepared for, that you didn't feel like you could jump into and do. Uh, and to, to feel that sense is, that's okay. There's room for growth in that. But where he started out, where Saul started out, is not where he ended up. In fact, we find him in 1 Samuel 15 at, the, at this point of his, his kingship, his rulership, where he had come a long way from the guy that was hiding because he didn't feel adequate, and he had now become someone who was really full of himself. He had learned how to be the king. He had learned how to lead. He had learned how to, to lead an army into victory. He had learned how to rule a nation and have people under, uh, under his oversight and under his authority. And he had not only become comfortable in it, but he, he really craved it. And he liked the spotlight. So much so that he stopped really following the direction of God and walking in step with the plans of God for his life. And so he goes from hiding at the beginning to at the end, setting up a monument to honor himself, to, to really to, 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 to declare to everyone, this is how great I am. And so in 1 Samuel 15, verses 12 through 13, I want to read what happens in this account. It says this, early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down, uh, gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. I'm going to stop there. Saul sets up a monument for himself. God's instruction, let me give a little backstory, was this, that they were fighting an enemy and God had said to them, I want you to wipe everything out, everyone. I want you to, 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 to take this enemy. I want you to completely destroy them. And that includes all the people. That includes all of their flocks, all of their animals, their herds. These are people who did not honor the Lord. And, and for whatever reason, God in his wisdom said, this is what I need you to do. Saul, though, went and he didn't do what the Lord had commanded, and they kept some of the spoils, some of the animals, and some of the, the, the spoils of that, that war for themselves. And then, on the heels of that, on the heels of this victory, uh, Saul goes up and he sets a monument up in his own honor. He's so lost in his pride that he doesn't even realize what he's doing wrong. And when Samuel, the, the prophet of God, uh, shows up, he, he, 
Saul says to Samuel, I have done what the Lord has said for us, said for me to do. I've carried out his instructions. And Samuel proceeds to tell him, then, what is this bleeding of the sheep that I hear? And what's what's going on? And Saul starts making excuses about wanting to please the people and doing all of these different things. And in this moment, Samuel declares over Saul, he says, the Lord has lifted his favor from you because you're not serving him. You're doing your own, your own thing. There was a character flaw. There was a character issue in the midst of Saul's life where even though God had chosen him, even though God had anointed him, Saul went from thinking he was nothing to thinking that he was everything. There was a below the surface, there was a root issue going on in Saul's life. He had become competent as the king, but his character was lacking, which disqualified him from doing the very thing that God had called him to do. David, on the other hand, we have this young man, David, who is anointed to be king of Israel, God has lifted his hand off of the life of Saul. He tells Samuel, go to the house of Jesse, and I will show you who it is that I am looking to anoint to be the next king. And so, of course, Jesse has all of his sons come before Saul, uh, Samuel. rather, and, and as they come by, you know, Samuel's looking at these young men. They're strong. They're fit. They're, they're handsome. And he's thinking, this must be the one. This must be the one. And he goes through all of Jesse's sons, thinking this has got to be the one. And, and, and God says to Samuel, he says, stop looking at the outward appearance because I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. The world looks at what's on the outside, but God says, I'm looking below the surface. I'm looking to what's, what's rooting this person, especially in regards to their relationship with God himself. And so finally, Samuel says to Jesse, do you not have any other sons? And Jesse says, well, yes, there's David. Well, Davy, he's out in the fields with the sheep, but, you know, he's the youngest and not, didn't even get invited to the party. And I, I, I'm one of those, like, I have a hard time. If I didn't get invited, man, that's, that's tough. Maybe some of you struggle with that. To get invited, the, the, the prophet of Israel is in your home and you're out watching the sheep. And so they call for David and they're like, come on in. And as he comes in, immediately God speaks to Samuel and he says, this is the one, this is the, the young man that I've chosen. And so David's life begins to grow from here and he's, he, uh, he serves in, in Saul's courts. Uh, he's a musician. He worships the Lord. He serves faithfully. Uh, he has the encounter with Goliath where he shows up and, and, and Goliath, this giant, is cursing Israel and he's cursing the armies of the living God. And, 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 San, and David, rather, is just upset and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And he goes out with that sling and the stone and he kills the giant. And, and, and little by little, David becomes uh, just recognized in the nation, and, and people are ready for him to become the king. And, uh, and it says of David in, in Psalm 78, 72, because uh, he, he ultimately he would become king. And there's a, there's a lot of stories involving David and Saul and Saul trying to kill him and David fleeing for his life. And there's a lot, of, there's a lot that happens in the midst of that story. But ultimately, David would become king. And it says this of David in Psalm 78, 72. It says that David shepherded them, the, the people of Israel, with integrity of heart and skillful hands. 
He shepherded them, shepherded them with integrity of heart, and then with skillful hands, he led them. Character and competence. And we need competency. We need to be good at things. We need to learn how to be better at things. But the first issue is the issue of the heart, the integrity of the heart. Now, something that's really important to interject here. David was not perfect. And if you know about his story, you read about his life, David was not perfect. In fact, he made some colossal mistakes, huge mistakes in his life, in his leadership, in God's call. He, he blew it. He blew it big time. But here's the thing about David is whenever he was confronted with his mistakes and his sin, that his heart turned back to God that he was ready because his roots were established so firmly that even when he made mistakes, that he was ready when he was confronted. He didn't get defensive. He didn't, he didn't try and excuse things and explain them the way, uh, away like Saul did, but he owned that because he was secure in his relationship with the Lord. There's an encouragement here for all of us that the Christian walk is not just about getting it right all the time, that none of us are going to get it right all the time, that we're called to be transformed and conformed to the image of Christ. We are a work in progress. You are a work in progress, which means that you will make mistakes. How we respond, though, in the midst of the mistakes, whether we're confronted by people that care about us or confronted and addressed by the Holy Spirit of God himself, how we respond really exposes the issues of character in our lives. That we would have the heart of David that is a heart after God's own heart. So even when we make mistakes, that when, we're, when, when the Holy Spirit checks us in that, that we would say, Lord, would you heal that? Would you fix that? Would you forgive me? Would, and that there would be this heart of repentance that would be there. See, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 13, and we read part of 1 Corinthians 13 last Sunday, but I want to read the first portion of 1 Corinthians 13 this week. He says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give my body uh, over my body to hardship that I might boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Do you see what Paul's saying here? That you can become competent at speaking in tongues. That you can, you can have the gift of prophecy and become more competent, more skillful in the gift of prophecy. That you, you can have faith to move mountains. That you can be generous and give everything. You can subject yourself to hardship and, and to, to beatings for the name of the gospel. But if you do not have love, you do not have anything. You gain nothing. This is the contrast between character and competency. This is the, the contrast between character and competency. See, the Christian walk is not about just becoming competent at doing Christian things. It's about the character. It's about the roots of our lives being established in such a way that the fruit of the Spirit just happens. That love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and others 
would just be the mark of our lives. And one of the blessings of this list is that we can look at this list and start asking, are these the things that can be attributed to who I am? Are these things present in my life? Or the things that are being shown in my life, are they more in line with the the fruit of the flesh, of doing the things that I want, my desires? See, this is the place where the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy, like Jesus says in John 10.10. See, we think we're doing great things for the kingdom. We think that we're walking in step with the Spirit of God, but what we've done is we've become more competent without developing the character. We have competency without character. And Paul says, if you have that, you have nothing. Now, I, I get this. This is a hard word. This is not a, a light, fluffy, upbuilding, encouraging word from us. We're from the, 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 uh, we're from the, the Bible today. But I got to tell you, we, ha- we got to have this conversation If we're going to be the people of God, if we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we have to go here. We have to go here. Jesus said it this way. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. That love becomes this critical component, this critical part, that if we don't have the very first fruit of the Spirit of, of love, that we can't follow the very basic commandments of God. And if I don't know how to love, I have to look at my life and go, okay, what's going on? What, what is going on below the surface? So I want to close with some application today. How do we live this life? How do we get to this place where character, our lives are marked with character? And, and the truth is that this is, a, this is a series of messages, not just one Sunday morning. But this is the work that we need to commit ourselves, each of us, to do in our, our own lives. It's about living a cultivated life. And we'll use the analogy of the orchard or the plant that needs to grow. That we've got to go below the surface. We've got to dig down below the soil to make sure that what has been established in the ground, in private, in the area of character in our lives is healthy. It's about turning things upside down. A farmer will cultivate the ground, which means a, a cultivator that they tow behind a tractor basically takes the ground and it flips it over and it, it introduces air and water. It breaks up the hard and compacted places, uh, but it also expla- exposes places where things may not be healthy, places that may be ignored. In our lives and in our own hearts, these might be places that are pain. There's areas of pain. Areas of sin that's not been surrendered to God, things that we do because we just want to do them. There's the cares of the life that Jesus talked about when he was talking about the seed being sown and not having a place to take root because the cares of this life, like the, the weeds and the, and the thorns would grow up around them and choke them. He says those cares of the, this life, uh, those, that's a real thing that people will deal with. We have hurts and wounds and fears. They're all of these things that are going on in our lives. And, and the reality is, church, we can't just ignore them. If we want to be fruitful in the kingdom of God, if we want to see the fruit of the Spirit produced in our lives, we've got to do the deeper work. We've got to, we've got to go below the surface. Now, I, I realize that for so many, they've never experienced a safe environment in which they could grow. See, because doing that work is hard. It's a little bit scary. 
and it exposes us. And, and really, it's best done not alone. It's best done when we're do, we do this with people. We invite people into our lives to help us to come alongside of us. And of course, God is walking through this with us. But we have to take time to do the below-the-surface work. This is what it looks like. And rather than speaking an analogy, I'll, I'll use an example. In order for us to tend to the deeper things that affect our ability to bear fruit, we've got to look at the fruit. So we can ask questions like this. Instead of being someone who's patient, maybe I get angry, I'm, I'm impatient. And the, the opportunity that exists there is to say, okay, God, why? Why do I get angry so easily? Why am I so impatient? Why do I get frustrated? Why is there bitterness? Why do I feel unkind? Why do I lack self-control? And rather than just trying to develop the skill and the competency to get better in that area, to take a step back, to slow down, to sit with Jesus and say, Lord, would you help me understand why? Why is this area a struggle for me? Why is this something that is so hard for me? I think some of the reason we don't stop and ask that question when we're confronted with ourselves, and we know ourselves, if we're truthful for just a minute, we know the areas where we struggle. And so even if people see us from the outside and go, oh, you're, you're so wonderful, there's something in us that we would say, no, I, I know what's below the surface. I think sometimes we, we don't go there because maybe the, the fear of uh, what we discover would be too great. Maybe there's just some pain. Maybe we just, uh, we just would rather not. We would just rather, hey, I'm just going to try and press forward, and I'm just going to try and put on a show. But we need to stop, and we need to say, God, what's going on inside of me? God, would you show me? In fact, the prayer of David was, Lord, would you search my heart? This was what made David a man after God's own heart. God, search my heart, and would you expose anything that shouldn't be there. Anything that is wayward, anything that is, is sinful, that's a prayer that we should pray. Not just, Lord, give me patience. God, expose me. Unearth the things in my life that are unhealthy, that produce fruit in my life that is not healthy. God, replace it with what you want there to be, what you want there to be in my life. The, the kinds of things that you want to see established, help me to become the person that you want me to be. And as we do, as we're confronted with the things that we would say, this, these are areas of brokenness. Why do I struggle to be a loving person? Why do I struggle with kindness? That we would pause even in those moments and turn to wonder. I wonder what it is. Why, why am I responding this way? And invite the Holy Spirit to shine his light and to walk with us, to walk in step with him in such a way that there would be health that would come into our lives. Church, that the fruit of the Spirit is produced when we allow God to do a work in us at the very deepest parts of who we are. That we don't just allow it, that we invite it. We say, God, would you come? I want to be a loving person. I want to be kind. I want to be joyful. I, I want to be patient. I want to be, uh, I want to be uh, self-controlled. I want to be all of these things that God says that needs to be there. But for all of us, it starts with saying, God, would you, would you go below the surface? Church, I don't want to get to the end of my life and stand before the Lord 
and hear Lord say, "You went through the motions. You did, you 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 did the things. You did the skills, but you didn't do the deeper work." And I think in in the in Galatians five here, what Paul is inviting us to do is say, "Do the deeper work. Do the deeper work in our lives. Discover what it means to walk with." It walk with the Spirit of God, to have the kind of character, not just the competency, but the character that would lead us to a place where we would say, God, search my heart. As we do that, here's what I know what happens, is that the roots of our lives, the character of our lives goes deeper, which means it draws more from the life flow that flows from Jesus. And as we do, the fruit will just happen it will just happen as God brings healing, as he brings strengthening, as he, as he uh, walks us through our stuff, that he meets us in that and health results and healthy means fruitful, that healthy things produce fruit, healthy lives produce fruit. Let's be healthy people in the presence of God as we walk in step with him. I'd love to pray for you today. Jesus, I thank you that you do not call us to walk this walk without you, but in fact, you encourage us and you say that we are called to walk it with you, that it's walking in step with the spirit that is so critical. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people of character and competence like David, Lord, that we would have integrity of heart and skillful hands, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us to recognize the difference, that we would not just pursue competency, but Lord, that we would desire your heart, that we would want to be people after your own heart, that that character, Lord, those roots of character would be deeply established in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. Pray that you have a wonderful wonderful rest of your day, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Invite somebody to join you either in your home or online to watch service next time. God bless you as you go.